Welcome back, inebriates. I feel like it's been forever since I've been recording. Um, we've been so busy on other projects and stuff. Um, but today we're here with uh, Miles Doliak, um, actor and director. And you have a new film. Um, it's literally coming out in two days. So by the time this is up, it'll have been out almost a week. Um, and it open open opens on November 3rd. Is that, I mean... Open opens on November 3rd. I'm yeah. actually uh, speaking to you from Mama Shelter Hotel in Los Angeles. We're having our red carpet event tonight in Los oh, Angeles. Nice. Uh, this is uh, November 1st for those listening in the future. Uh, but yes, it, then it opens uh, in limited theatrical release on November 3rd and on all the major streaming platforms on okay. November 7th. So, Well, thank you for taking the time on such a busy day. Um so it, it it's uh, a musical thriller comic. Like I was reading it, I'm like, and I watched the the, the trailer. I'm like, is this is this a like? It looks like it's going to be funny, and then it looks like, uh, wait, is this taking a dark turn? So like, can you just kind of give us the basic pitch of of what we can expect? Yes, it's quite the cornucopia of genres, I would say. <laughs> okay. Quite the uh, cocktail of genres, whatever euphemism you prefer uh i would call it a musical comedy dramedy thriller um i think what what i really love about the project is it contains both very serious elements about navigating the travails of long-term relationships in mm -hmm. the spirit of something like noah Baumbach's marriage story uh, but then at the same time it has this bonkers music video fantasia element uh, in the spirit of something like uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world or Rocky horror um, uh, where our leading character, Christina played by Lindsay Ann Williams hallucinates that she's the front woman of an eighties new wave band. So yeah. out the narrative are these 80 style music videos uh, with 10 original songs that me and Lindsay and our co-writers Clifton Hyde and Oliver Hoffer wrote Um in the spirit of 80s new wave post-punk uh little little 90s grunge uh maybe at times peppered in so we're we're really excited about that element of the film and exactly. that element in particular really allowed us to yeah. just play and um and and try some things and 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 do some things that that maybe in in a more traditional film framework narrative framework we wouldn't have been able to do yeah and it explores you said long-term relationships and um, obviously have pieced together where, you know, they're talking about an open relationship. Right. Um, and that, you know, it's more and more friends of mine have, you know, have open relationships or polyamorous or mm -hmm. it, it's, it seems like the, I don't know if I'm getting older and I'm meeting more people or is this just like a more progressive time where people are just kind of like, you know, as long as, in, in my opinion, I'm like, wh whatever makes you happy, I really don't care. Like, I don't have time to be involved in someone else's relationship. Yeah, it just it seems like it, it's becoming more and more popular or more common. And I'm not sure if that's. Yeah, I would say, uh, firstly, I would wholly agree with you. I mean, um, let consenting adults find their modicum of happiness, whatever that means to, to them. And, you know, stay the hell out of it. That's my opinion. But uh, I think um, these types of relationships and um, the, the sort of ethical non-monogamy, 
uh, has become a bit more mainstream and more accepted. Uh, the Corbins, by the way, in our film, do it very badly. Um, <laughs> and, and that's part of what we explore in the film. But it is for them, and I think for a lot of people, an attempt to maybe infuse some some mystery, uh, some new uh, freshness, you know, into a relationship that that you've been in for a very long time. And uh, I think anytime you're with somebody um, for a long, long time, and you get into these patterns and habits, and you know, you're you're wrestling with these questions of, oh, oh my God, am I going to wake up next to this person every day for the rest of my life? Um, um, and you start noticing all the little things that they do to annoy you, despite you know, uh, I can't stand the way they chew. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. um, and you start having fights about uh, who's who's doing the laundry right and wrong and how to load the dishwasher and all these kinds of things. Um, it really forces you to kind of look at, you know, the nature of the thing itself. And, you know, what do we, you know, in our movie, these two people, they love each other very much and they they they're not looking to end the relationship, despite the fact that they've experienced this fairly significant personal tragedy that sort of leads them to this uh, attempt at non-monogamy. Um, but at the same time, they recognize that they can't keep going the way they've been going uh, because they are kind of spiraling into that place where uh, they're coming to dislike each other, despite the fact that they still very much love each other. So, yeah. Um, I would say it's for the Corbins and, and maybe for, for a lot of other people, it's, it's an attempt to, you know, make a relationship that has become stale or habitual um, work and infuse it with, with something new, something different. Um, and, you know, it's obviously it's, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, it, it, it may or may not be for the Corbins. We'll see. Uh, we'll let audiences decide on that note. Uh, but I do think it's something that, you know, more people, hopefully we're, we're reaching a point culturally, societally, where um, we're staying out of each other's bedrooms and, you know, letting people find their own, you know, lane of what works for them. Again, you know, provided it's all consensual and, and everybody's on the same page. Where, I mean, it is like we were just saying, it, it is becoming more common, but, you know, part of writing you know, a story is to kind of get the person to relate to the characters. Is it more challenging to write something like this where most people haven't necessarily had that kind of relationship? Like what, what were the, um, the pitfalls there? I think the, I think the biggest challenge for us um, was, was not so much writing the relationship or, or feeling some need to, connect to the audience, which of course is supremely important. Audience curiosity and audience's empathy for your characters is absolutely critical to any story success. Um, it was it was more about finding the reality of a long-term relationship and, and <coughs> sort of threading that needle of presenting to our audience, hey, these two people have some problems. Mm -hmm. Things are not going well. Um, but they still love each other very much and sort of presenting those two halves where, where, you know, we never wanted the audience to say, why the hell are these two people together anyway? Why don't they just end it? Yeah. Put themselves out of their misery, you know? So it was finding those moments where we could show that intimacy and that love that was still there while at the same time 
presenting uh, a relationship that that is at a bit of an, an inflection point? Is it, it undergoing a bit of a crisis, um, so that our audience could say, okay, well, I I get why they would try this new thing um, instead of just blowing the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah it, it's it, you made me laugh when you said uh, you mentioned uh, arguing over loading the dishwasher. I was over. Yeah. Uh, a friend's house for dinner the other night and they were talking about how in every what do they say in every relationship someone loads the dishwasher like a swedish engineer and the other one loads like a methed out raccoon 100 <laughs> and it's always yep. people get like so bent out of shape about it but yeah um so when you wrote this did you start with the songs or did the songs kind of develop as you wrote the script out um I can't like it's not a musical like a Broadway musical. Am I understanding that correctly? Right. Where, you know, so uh, and that's what I love about Scott Pilgrim. You know, it's got great music, but it's not like they just break out into song over something silly. Um, yeah. So so did you write, kind of write the script and then go back and, and do the songs? And so uh, Lindsay and I, uh, Lindsay and Williams, my partner in art and life, we had this conceit, this story conceit for, for quite a while that we were batting around. That is the conceit that uh, um, a marriage in trouble, uh, the partners in the marriage decide to try opening the marriage and one of the relationships that they fall into sort of goes south. Mm -hmm. um, that was sort of the basic premise. And then um, we in the in August of 2021, late August, early September 2021, there was a pretty serious hurricane in New Orleans where we live, Hurricane Ida. So we had to evacuate um, to Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and we were staying in this little cabin by a pond. It was all very idyllic, but it was effectively, we were in this one room uh, for... 10 days we had no power in new orleans we had all of our dogs with us um but we were just locked in there you know with nothing to do and we said you know that story idea we've been batting around let's sit down and let's write it and so we started writing it and we got about 10 pages in and i remembered on our previous film demigod we had written um, a song called conjuring song for the closing credits and my wonderful colorist finisher, Bradley Greer, and his wife, Wendy, had as a gift to us and kind of a goof, made a music video of that where their son and his girlfriend play these sort of goth rock stars. And they shot it on a stage with lots of fog and, you know, very simple but effective lighting concepts. And I thought, hmm, what if this was a musical? What if we took that approach? sort of sort of this to, to create this sort of void space that is Christina's internal monologue. And we write these songs that effectively, you know, in what a lot of movies would be like a voiceover maybe. Um, but let's do something a little more outside the box. Let's do something a little edgier and fresher. And so um, Lindsay said, okay, Let's give it a shot. Let's let's put the songs in the first act of the screenplay and see if we feel like it works. And and if not, we'll just go back to writing a more straightforward narrative. 
Um, but then once we got started, uh, it became totally infectious and we couldn't stop. And um, we found ourselves more, more consumed with the music really than, um, uh, than, than anything else. The script came very quickly after that. Once we sort of got the basic framework rolling, we probably wrote the entire script in about three weeks. Um, we wrote the character of Eric LaRue with Jeremy London in mind. Jeremy had worked on a couple of our projects previously, a dinner party and demigod and smaller roles. Um, and when we finished it, we were, you know, a little leery to send it to him because it does have this meta element, you know, with Jeremy's character where he's this down on his luck, former teen heartthrob. And, mm -hmm. um, Jeremy as as I'm sure your listeners know, had a, a rich career, certainly early in life, um, both in television and film. He, he, he was in the, you know, the Kevin Smith circle. He's in Mallrats, yeah. Mallrats, right. Yeah. Um, was on a show called Party of Five, uh, which uh, did very well for a while with Matthew Fox and Nev Campbell. Um, so, uh, but we sent it to him and uh, he was about to get on a plane to go to Ocon. He was like, I'll read this when I get to my hotel. Uh, about two hours later, he was touching down at his destination. It was like, I couldn't wait. I read it on my phone, on the plane. I love it. I'm in. So, and after that, it was just kind of, it just picked up steam very quickly. We brought our team together. Um, we, uh, we brought on my longtime composer, very close friend and collaborator, Clifton Hyde, to not only compose the score, but help us write the songs. We, we brought on um, Oliver Hoffer, which is the fourth musketeer in the songwriting department, great bass player from New York City. Uh, and then Elena Sanchez uh, came on to play Emma and help us produce. And from there, it was just, you know, the train left the station and, and we were off and running. I love when there's such a like a, a solid team of collaborators and everyone's kind of on the same page. Um, but your movie is coming out at a really weird time. Like, I know you have like a special OK, or I'm not sure exactly what the term is from SAG after um, where you was that a big concern, like when the movie's getting ready to be released? Like, how did you navigate kind of all that? It's, it's it was an enormous concern. Um, you know, we're we're in. We're an indie film and the biggest challenge for an indie film and indie filmmakers and producers are making the world aware of your film's existence. So yep. not being able to have your cast promote would have been sort of a death knell for us. But um, we were able to uh, acquire and sign the SAG interim agreement uh, for promotional purposes, uh, which basically means that we agreed to the terms that SAG is proposing in their current discussions with the AMPTP, um, you know, which I always say, you know, if we, if we indie producers can do it, what the hell is wrong with folks at Disney and Netflix and Amazon and Apple and on and on. But anyway, yeah. that's a story for another time. Uh, <laughs> but it was harrowing there for a while because as you can imagine, SAG was being inundated with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of applications for the interim agreement. And we were, we were really, you know, biting our nails there for a while, um, you know, for, for it to come through uh, so we could start promotion. Um, mm -hmm. We did kind of the, we were able to do by like the end of the end of September, early October for this November release. So, so we had a little more than a month, which, which was great. Um, but yeah, it was tricky because, you know, I'm not only a member of SAG, but also a member of the Writers Guild and the, the Directors Guild. And I was trying to sort of figure out, okay, what can I talk about? I reached out to my DGA rep. 
she said, well, you can talk about the film as the director. The director's guild is, isn't on strike. Right. Uh, and then, you know, thankfully the writer's guild uh, was able to come to an agreement and then we're able to get the SAG interim agreement. But yeah, it was, um, it was uh, uh, harrowing there for a moment as we awaited word on whether we could get uh, approved in, you know, in time mm-hmm. to give the proper rollout. Uh, but thankfully we did. And, and here we are tonight. We have a number of m- members of our cast here tonight uh, in Los Angeles, including Jeremy, including Elena and, and myself and Lindsay. Um, um, and everybody's doing their their part to get the word out about this film. Um, and we're really excited to see how it's received. That what you're just talking about there, like hit so close to home, like there's so many projects or events or friends, you know, with even restaurant openings that a certain amount of being a creative person, you have to just run at regular speed, assuming that everything will come to, to in line in order for, you know, and so much of it is just kind of like this weird trusting in the universe to kind of line up in the way you need it to and hope it doesn't blow up in your face. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, you got to jump off the cliff and hope the net's set up, you know, kind of thing. Um, It's, because you don't have any choice, you know, we don't, as indie producers, we don't have the luxury of, you know, being able to kick our movie to next year, like Dune right. or whatever. We have to play the hand that has been dealt us. Um, and that's exactly correct. I think you, you just have to go full speed ahead and, you know, hopefully it works out. As a, a creative person, do you prefer the writing or the acting and the directing? Do you have a particular favorite that um, that is kind of your first love, and everything else is kind of come along the way? Or how how did I would you say my first love is is definitely acting. Uh, that's how I began in this business. Um, and now they're going to start playing music, so <laughs> hopefully that doesn't blow our interview. But um. Folks at this hotel are really wonderful and accommodating. Probably get them to turn it down. But uh, acting was um, my first love, and I, I started directing honestly to give myself more opportunities as an actor because I just felt like I wasn't getting the kinds of roles that I wanted. I, I wasn't I wasn't really able to stretch my legs as an actor, um, and I was seeing. I was very fortunate to be able to work with these amazing indie filmmakers in South Louisiana in the wake of Hurricane Katrina. And I saw the work they were doing and I saw they were, you know, pulling themselves up by their, their own proverbial bootstraps and they were getting it done on their own terms. And I said, man, this is inspiring. You know, I, and I can do this. So um, at the time I I wrote a film about something that I knew very well, uh, which was um, the, the current state of academia. Um, at, at the time I was in a, I had, I had taken some time away from acting and, and, and the film business uh, to go to graduate school to study history, which is a whole long circuitous story. Uh, but I wrote this film called The Historian and, and we were able to make that film. And 10 years later, uh, here we are on uh, movie number seven with Open. So yeah, it began as, you know, I'm first and foremost, I'm an actor, but I have come to love directing. Um, I love world building. I love character building. Um, 
So I, I really sort of see myself as as a as a more holistic creator. Mm-hmm. But if pressed, if, if pressed, you know, the the first and deepest passion of my heart is acting. Is there part of this whole process that you don't enjoy? You know, I was telling someone recently, I'm like, I feel like I spend 70% of my time doing things that I don't necessarily enjoy. They're just work in order for 30% of the time to do things I really love to do. You know, it's like, I don't love answering emails, but I got to do it all day. So right. Like what's, um, what's, the, what's the downfall? I mean, the, the toughest part of being an indie producer is there's a lot of the mundane that you have to address and, and pay attention to, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's budgets and, you know, you got to think about catering and you got to think about crafty and you got to think about all these issues you know when back when when covid was such a significant um threat you know we we had to think about covid protocols and all of this stuff that is sort of management logistics driven that seems in some respects a long way from the creative yeah but there is nobody else. I mean, you don't have somebody, an indie producer doesn't have somebody in a production office to handle all these things. The indie producer is the person that has to handle these things. Mm-hmm. So you have to be, you know, sort of the logistics manager of the project in addition to being the creative force behind the project. And um, and that can be, that can get frustrating. Um, you, you know, even now when we're, we're rolling this film out, um, we can't afford a proper post-production supervisor, so that's me. Yeah. Um, although we have publicists on this film, um, we don't have enough for them to basically run our premiere events. So yesterday, Elena and Lindsay and I are sitting down, going through the guest list, checking RSVPs, and doing all you know. So it's the sheer number of hats that you wear can be very daunting. But if it's something that you absolutely have to do, that you you know you can't live without it, then you do that. Um, so I would say the sort of managerial and logistical components of making a film from the ground up, um, it, it's not my favorite thing, but I think it's one of those necessary um, evils, if if it will. You know, it's, it's probably too strong a word. Uh, but when there's nobody else and you got to do this thing, you got to get this movie made. Um, you step into the breach and you do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, we, we just ran um, our first uh, horror convention uh, here in Plymouth and it was so many moving parts that, uh, you know, we weren't used to, to doing. And it, it was, it, it, makes me resent people that are like oh i don't have time to do that or i don't and i'm like you have so much time in your life (laughs) you know it's um i hear that a lot i hear that a lot i'm so i'm so busy i just i I didn't have time to respond to your email you know my day job is also uh i am the chair of the film program at loyola university in new orleans yeah um which is kind of like an 80 hour a week job um you're kind of on call. You know, my students text me, you know, when they have an issue from their sets. And, yeah. you know, um, so if you want to be successful in this industry, you have to make the time. You have to be an extreme time manager. Yeah. You have to be able to compartmentalize. Um, and if that's not your personality, 
probably the wrong business for you. I always tell uh, people I know when they're like talking about starting a business, I'm like, if you're having trouble with your 35 to 40 hour work week, you do not belong being independent because you won't, you won't make it. So how do you um, avoid burnout? I mean, that's, that's to me, that's like one of the hardest things right now is just trying to avoid that, get, get enough rest and downtime. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who really enjoys the simple things in life. I enjoy a great meal. I enjoy a great cocktail. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of the new Orleans saints and Lindsay and I have season tickets. Of course that can be a bit of a toxic relationship (laughs) Uh, as with, as with any great sports team and fan base. Um, You know, my, there's a meme that goes around at the beginning of the NFL season every year. I think every fan base has it where it's like, this Sunday is is the first day, you know, for the next four months that I allow a professional sports team to govern my emotional state. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh so so I, you know, I have these other outlets. Um we're great advocates of dog rescue and and we have five dogs ourselves, uh a veritable pack, and we enjoy, you know, spending time with them. And um, so we we have uh, you know, we go to a lot of concerts, we love music. And um, so we have these other outlets where we can sort of blow off steam and, you know, just decompress and, and be. Yeah. Uh, but the, I mean, make no mistake. It is this business. And I, I often tell my students this, it's a kind of infection and it will, it, you know, it will consume you. It, 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 if you let it and, and and if you really have the bug if you really have the infection bad um there will be times where it, it's not always positive there will be times where you feel like you you feel compelled to do it despite the fact that it's it, it's wrecking your mental state and you're exhausted and you know you feel like you can't put one foot back in front of the other and uh um well that's just something that I think for the for those creators for whom this is the deepest passion of their heart, but you know the the reason that they breathe. I mean, you just keep going, um, and it's you know almost every movie we say you know at the end of the movie, the end of the production, uh, principal photography. Okay, we're gonna take a break after this. We're gonna take a break. Yeah, <laughs> and then, how's that work out? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then something happens and we're, we're right back in, you know, yeah. like, um, because it is, it's just, it just keeps pulling you back in. It's, I'm like, you know, it's like Michael Corleone, you know, you're the, in the Godfather three, that you, they, you, you just, when you think you're out, they, they pull you back in. Um, my favorite thing about like having a creative job is there are times where I'll turn to my business partner and I'll be like, you realize we're at work right now. Yeah. Cause it, when it's, when it's that 30%, that's so fun. Yeah. It doesn't feel like work at all. You know, it, and it's so, so rewarding at that point that I, I love to, to kind of point that out to be like, this is our job. Yeah. I, mean, and I, <laughs> I, I often think the same. I mean, I'm like, you know, when you're on set and you get that beautiful shot or that perfect performance or what, you know, whatever. And you're like, yeah, this is why we're here. This is what we, this is, this is what we're doing. We get to do this. Yeah. Wow, how amazing is that? You know, 
we're, you know, tonight we're going to the, over to the TCL Chinese Six on Hollywood Boulevard, right next to Grauman's in the Dolby Theater, where the Academy Awards are held. And, you know, we get to watch. And they're going to our- show your movie. I mean, that's yeah, like I, insane. That's got to be so I mean, cool. But yeah. we get to do that. So it's those moments that are worth all the heartache and all the pain and all the frustration. You know, the 70%. Yeah. If you can just find 30% magic. Yeah, for sure. Um, so you said you're a music fan. I am. And your movie has a definite 80s vibe to it. So I'm going to make a recommendation. I don't know how long you're out in L.A. for. But uh, they've been on the show a couple times, and I really dig their music. Uh, they're called Broken Baby. Uh-huh. Um, they're like kind of punk. They remind me of Blondie a lot. Female lead singer. Um, yeah, if you if you have the opportunity to, to track them, I have no idea when they're playing, but uh, they play in L.A. If you have a chance, man, definitely check them out. Because I feel like Broken Baby. I'll check them out. Broken Baby. A lot of fun. <laughs> So what goes into a red carpet opening? Like, is it interview other than this? Is there more interviews planned for today? Like, yeah, so it's there are a number of interviews. There are a number of um, just a lot of scheduling, a lot of logistics, a lot of, you know, from like, you know, deciding on what the glam budget is. You know, one of our publicists sent me an email and said, what's the glam budget? I'm like, I've never even heard of <laughs> land budget, yeah. but that's like, you know, um, for hair, makeup, wardrobe, all that kind of thing. And then, you know, you have to design the backdrop and for the step and repeat band or to determine what color the carpet is going to be, because it's, it's not just red carpets anymore. There are black carpets and green carpets and gold carpets and purple carpets and all these kinds of things. And then, um, you know, oh, do you want that carpet installed? That's extra money. <laughs> no, then you have to, uh, you know, obviously get a venue that yeah. you know uh, will accommodate you and and work with uh, an independent film budget. And um, then, of course, there's got to be an after party. Mm-hmm. Where's the after party going to be? Um, um, and and you know, getting people to come out. Our our cast and crew are spread to the four winds and. You know, what's putting together a budget to travel your cast in particular, um, which can be daunting. So, again, it's all that there's all that on a big show, on a studio show. You know, the director's not doing that. Right. Yeah. You know, they're just worried about showing up and watching the movie and talking about the movie and, uh, you know, hopefully getting their picture up on Getty Images, you know, but yeah. uh, at our level, we we have to push all those things forward, and um, and then hope it hope it works. Yeah, um, that's. I I wish you the best of luck because, you know, it it takes so much work to put on you know together a movie, and then just trying to put that much work in again to try to get people to see it is, yeah. is crazy. Um, where can people find the movie? So, like I said, when this goes up, it'll be next Monday. So okay. it'll already been uh, officially released. Um, and I believe it's going to be streaming some places. Yes, it will be streaming on, um, you know, the usual suspects. Uh, you'll be able to find it um, uh, easily, you know, if you're an Amazon subscriber or, a, you know, Google Play, those types of places. Um, uh, it releases on streaming on Tuesday, November 7th. 
um, also on cable on demand on all major cable carriers. So if you if you punch it into a search bar on on any of these streaming platforms or, or on your cable search bar, you should be able to find it open. Um, I also encourage people to check out the soundtrack. The soundtrack is currently available on all the major streaming platforms, you know, Spotify and all the all the stuff. <clears throat> and if you search Christina's Glam Hallucination Band, Christina's Glam Hallucination Band, which is the name of the fictional band in our movie, uh, the soundtrack will come up. It has all of the songs in the movie, um, plus some great score cues that Clifton, our composer, created. And, and really, if you're a fan of 80s synthwave, post-punk, you know, you're a fan of Depeche Mode or New Order or Duran Duran and that sort of stuff, uh, there, there's something for you on the soundtrack. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm going to let you go. You have a busy day ahead and Thank you. I'm not, you know, already I can tell, uh, the chalking is going to strain both of us today. So, yep. um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Anytime you have uh, a project that you guys are rolling out, feel free to let us know. Um, it was a great conversation. I'd love to have you back. Thank you very much. I appreciate that so much. And, uh, um, I'll definitely be back. I'll hit you up again because as, as we discussed, I ain't stopping. No, there's got to be something else coming. <laughs> so for our listeners, uh, thank you again for putting up with my voice that's been failing me. Um, but uh, And uh, we'll see you guys again next week. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash inebriart to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.